0: Alrighty. Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jeppa DT. Welcome to the show, Jepp. Hey Pete. We are at the moving stage of the season, only a few weeks left. Uh, how are you looking forward to the final weeks of the season?
1: Yeah, I'm a, you know, this is the time of year to go a bit different and, and pick a few points of difference as we normally do or I normally do anyway. And um, we'll get creative, and we live, you know, live and die by our decisions, really. So um, I won't be too silly, but um, really trying to pick um, those different sort of players to to try and gain rank, and I'm sure some will work and some won't. Monitoring every player in your squad
0: plus your watch list for scoring output is paramount in order to finish the season successfully, Jep.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, a couple of underperforming primos for me is um, Tom Mitchell, Paddy Cripps, um, you know, the list, there's a few others. James Sicily wasn't really that great. So they're on my hit list for sure. It's just, you, you know, you wish you could do it all at once. It's It's got to be slowly and surely and you sort of analyse them. And I, I basically rank them, um, rank the current players I have and, uh, priority of trade and, and that kind of thing and who my targets are so it's um, a bit of a convoluted formula but it's calculating basically the average of the player that you got right now versus the player that you want and, and will think um, will average for for the next three or four rounds so I don't look too f- to the end of the season and um, and calculating that points difference and going with the highest one so yeah there's there's a couple and I'm sure there's a couple of coaches out there suffering a little bit.
0: As most teams should be complete by now or there, thereabouts, it's now time to start searching for unique, reliable options.
1: Off the shore. Like, we can't keep being vanilla. I mean, I'm not saying go really silly with the point of difference, but a Prima that someone doesn't really own, a couple that come to mind off the top of the head, Stan Houston, especially with um, the injury to Bonner, I think he's a really good option now and a good point of difference. Um, Liam Baker is probably a little bit more left field, and we wouldn't consider him primo. Uh, but he's if he's going to have that midfield role, and he changed the game for Richmond on on that uh, last round. So um, players like that, monitoring that list, having your watch list, et cetera, et cetera. It's always developing. It changes. You know, it's pretty fluid. It can change daily, especially with what happened last weekend and Luke Jackson scoring 125, which no one really expected. Um, so, yeah, really just keeping on top of that movement and, and those points of difference, like I said, to, um, to get a leg up against the rest of the competition.
0: Yeah, we'll go through ownership in a minute. And what we'll, uh, so I'll list some of the players there. So some of the lower-owned players plus the players that aren't mentioned, they're, they're the ones to target. Obviously, you've got to keep in mind that you need to have pretty much completed your team now, um, or you pretty much have to have. Uh, before we start flicking those um, premium scoring players around, so get the rookies off the the ground and then uh, start flicking around to unique options there as well. So those ones that aren't listed there, once we do the ownership, you know, they're the ones to target as well. Alrighty, so it is worth keeping a close eye on tagging situations that can absolutely impact scoring output, jet
1: Of course, bud, it's. Um... Absolutely is, except it's again, it just changes week to week. I I expected Kane Turner to do a job on Lead or Dawson, and um, neither was forthcoming. So you can sort of forecast it and plan with it, but it might not always eventuate. But yeah, again, it's we know who the taggers are and and who they're likely going to be. You know, it's just flagging it, risk, you know, weighing up the risk of, of. potential captain choice or a trading choice and running with it that way or however we analyse it. But we've always got to, like, keep an eye on that, um, you know, that four-week block of games where who's got the easier run, who's going to potentially face a tag. Am I picking a primo that's going to attract attention, um, et cetera, et cetera, or am I getting my second-tier guy like a Sam Walsh?
0: Well, that's exactly the one scenario because uh, on the weekend, um, Patrick Cripps was targeted. So, and the one that gets off the chain is Sam Walsh. So he's starting a heap in the forward line now, and he's just—it is going everywhere uh, across the ground. So, um, again, centre bounces can be a little bit distorting of, of what's actually happening with regards to midfield usage. because if you look at Walsh, he's just everywhere. So, um, what? Again, you know, if he's starting in the forward line, he's not really getting a, a midfield matchup. So then if he's if he's going through the midfield and back into D50 and collecting disposals, he's pretty much doing that unchecked. And with his run-and-gun sort of nature, he's giving go and collecting those plus sixes and being that run-pass player from somebody taking a mark at, um, as Carlton move the ball forward. You know, that's just a prime situation. And again, if he's not targeted through that midfield or... Even coming from the line back into the D50 and through that midfield, you know he's just going to run right for the remainder of the season. So it's a big watch on him, and he's he's not really that highly owned. So uh, I think he might start to get some sort of attention now from fantasy coaches to you know to start to target him. So just some of the uh, tags that we did have last week. It was Hamster Neil. Uh, on that Thursday night, it was Ryan Clark to Jack Sinclair. So no Brad Hill for St Kilda. So Sydney sort of took the opportunity, and John Longmire took the opportunity with no Brad Hill. Uh, they went to Jack Sinclair. So we've talked about Sinclair on this podcast where he just runs around, you know, half back and just collect disposals at will. You know, Longmire didn't want any part of that. So, you know, Ryan Clark to Sinclair and pretty much shut him down for most of the game. Uh, Will Brody ran with uh Patrick Cripps there as well, so Cripps starting to not really hit those ceiling games anymore. So, you know, your alternative to Cripps at this stage is, is definitely Walsh. Um and again, as we just mentioned, you know, Walsh is not the number one tag, although he might start to get attention but I think he just can run past most of that situation. So I think he's still good anyway. Um, as what we did see last year when he was in the midfield. like he could he got shut down one or two times and but other than that he's it was ceiling games. So that was a Brody with Crips situation. Uh, Kane Turner, you mentioned earlier, um, he avoided uh, lead this time, so he went to Josh Rochelle, which was really interesting, um, to shut down Rochelle up forward for the Crows. And then Willem Drew, he went to Tuuk Miller for periods of that game, uh, Gold Coast and Port Adelaide there. So, you know, just some of the taggers there that can go. Um, most coaches will try and back in their midfield and their um, structure and their game style first. Uh, generally, you might not see a hard tag early. Although the Lock and Neil situation last week, you know, Melbourne were pretty keen to go to him, which you know, which which is a little bit unusual for Melbourne because not not really a hard tag team. So uh, they play each other at the back end of the season again. So uh, it might be a situation where you might want to, you know, if you're looking to jump off certain players, you know, that Melbourne Brisbane game later in the year, you might want to jump off Neil. And, um, not only captain option, but just actually just to move him on, uh, because if he throws in a low score again, you might be able to pick up some points against the rest of the field. So just keep that in mind and especially that, uh, James Harms to lock in your situation later in the year. Alrighty. A couple of key injury updates I'll just hit on and then we'll get into the podcast chat. So Zach Butters, some chance to play this week. Max Scorn, unlikely for this week. So he's more likely round 17, round 18. And Tim English is obviously not available this week. Bulldogs announced today. Alrighty, we are talking AFL Fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round 16. This podcast has been recorded on Tuesday night, June 28th. And, of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFL ratings network. The content is free. Likes and retweets it, uh, always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. Jep, ownership, round 15, ownership, top 25, on ground um, 20% or higher. So, Darcy Cameron, 96% for the Rucks, and we go Sean Darcy at 40%, Raleigh O'Brien 32%, Luke Jackson 28%, Jared Rich 24%, and I'll just go down one more at uh, Ron Marshall at 4%. Thoughts there?
1: Yeah, uh, they're probably expected percentages. I, I didn't expect the Luke Jackson percentage to be so high, to be fair. Um, but yeah, good luck to those owners. They, they've obviously picked up a steal and, and a big ceiling score first up.
0: Okay, on to the defenders. James Sisley 96%. George Shield 84%. Jaden Short, 80%. Jack Crisp, 80%. Sam Doherty getting it done still, 64%. I think that should be way higher. Jordan Dawson, again, getting it done, 60%. Lockie Whitfield, I think it's really low-owned and might be one to target there for a bit of a unique, and we know he can hit his ceiling games. Uh, Jack Sinclair, I think once Brad Hill comes back into that team, um, he should be okay for, with regards to his scoring output. He's at 32%. Uh, just back to Whitfield, he was at 40%. Tom Stewart obviously suspended now for four weeks. So 28% in the top 25 jet. So a lot of owners are going to be looking for, um, alternate situations with, regard, with regards to defenders. And Nick Dakos, still some teams running there in the top 25, 24% there. Um, and obviously he can get up there, there with those scores, but you know, can be volatile at times. So thoughts there, Jet.
1: Yeah, 24% is quite a lot um, with Dacos. I would have thought that would that will Hopefully go for most of them this week. Uh, but, yeah, it's the opportunity now. Like we said it last week, Jaden Short, James Sicily, highly owned, picking picking the moment to get rid of them when you have a luxury trade and, and going a bit different. On to the midfielders there. Lockie Neal, 96%. Jack McRae, 92%.
0: Tuke Miller, 84%. Ownership is just starting to really spike there. Andrew Brayshaw, 76%. Clayton Oliver, 64%. Callum Mills, 60%. Rory Laird, 60%. Zach Merritt, 56%. Josh Kelly, 52%. Patrick Cripps, 48%. And all these are 20%. Christian Petrucca, Sam Walsh, Tom Mitchell. I think out of that last three there, Sam Walsh is the target, jet.
1: For sure. And I, again, you know, brushing off Cripps and trading him out early is a play as well. But... The rest of that top, um, top eight that you called out was, was pretty lock on.
0: Onto the forwards there, so Josh Dunkley 100%, Stephen Caniglia 100%, Will Brody 88%, Marcus Bontempelli 60%, Adam Treloar 48%, Luke Parker 40%, Connor Rosie uh, 28%, Mitch Duncan 24%, and just a couple below 20% there, Tim Serrano 16%, and Harry Himmelberg at 12%. So with Himmelberg, he starts inside D50 last week as well and sort of get, jumps back into that ruck situation Um uh, for the Giants there late in that game as well. But, yeah, really interesting. Nick Haynes goes up forward, and he he's a, like a uh, defensive tagger in the, uh, against, in the forward line against Collingwood's Darcy Moore. So really interesting there that, that Nick Haynes was the one to go out of that defence, and Harry Himmelberg stays in there. Uh, Post-game, Mark McVeigh was really positive on Harry Himmelberg playing defence... Paint defence and playing well again. So, you know, I've got to be thinking that that role is somewhat really concerned last week. But, you know, obviously we had a lot of changing situations within the Giants team. But see him sitting inside D50 to start off that game last week sort of gives you some sort of confidence that, you know, that that role could be semi-locked for the time being. But obviously it's a really fluid situation there with the Giants. So thoughts on any one of those,
1: yeah, I'm really struggling with the forward still and, and trying to pick it for here on in. Um, Mitch Duncan is one that's catching my eye now that Tom Stewart's out for a month. I think he goes behind the ball a little bit more and, and plays a bit more of a sweeper role and a distributor. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's it, there's no real surprises. Luke Jackson is in a few teams and Darcy Cameron as well in the forward line. So really still hard to pick it um, and probably... Good in a way where yeah you can go different. I didn't hear Duncan's name called out at all. Yeah,
0: you go with that long situation. Just to hit back on that. So uh, that's a bit possible that Duncan sits off half back a lot more with regards to using his feet because we know Tom Stewart is really good by foot. Um, so sitting in that in that intercept marking role, however, you know Jack Henry played forward last week because Gary Rowan was out late ill. So I'd expect him to go back into defence. Uh, Chris Scott did actually uh, mention that as well, that he would be heading back to defence. Uh, so your Mark Bixler's can be that s- situation where he can be the interceptor there as well. Uh, Zach Guthrie can actually play that role as well. So really interesting to see how the Cats sort of flush that out, uh, who that intercept marking player is. But yeah, I don't mind that situation where Duncan could sort of sit off like a halfback line and use he's he's the one that distributes off um the Geelong D fifty. And you know, Geelong do play the Kangaroos this week, so uh it could be anything. So anyway, let's get on to uh who are your top three targets for round sixteen, assuming you don't own any?
1: Now, the first one's Jack Steele. No real surprises there. Came back, laid ten tackles in his first game back. The shoulder's totally fine, isn't it? So um he comes into calculations this week. Hugh McCluggage, I thought, mm. you know, he was going to go big. Uh, I, I wanted to trade him in but just couldn't uh, last week against Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, he's he's definitely on my radar. Again, a point of difference uh, for sure. And no Jared Lyons for a week or two, depending on how Jared is. Um, might not be no weeks. So it might be zero weeks, sorry. Um, but, yeah, that always helps Hugh. And then Aaron Hall, um, huge disposal game. Obviously, didn't take as, as many marks as we would have liked, but he got there in, in the end, and again, Aaron Hall is in the list for a point of difference. So all three players, I know Jack Steele will be a popular trading option, but all the three players that I've just called out are, are effectively points of difference.
0: Yeah, I think on Hall is a little bit of an elevated risk. So I have mentioned him on the podcast the last few weeks, um, so... Uh, the, the game before for the Kangaroos, he did move up onto the wing. So, you know, you've got to be thinking that that could be a situation where it could be a fluid situation in, in that D50 for North Melbourne. But if he is locked there for the remainder of the season, he could just rack up some enormous numbers. And again, the Kangaroos are struggling, conceding high numbers of inside 50. So that, that is Har- Aaron Hall's hitting zone right there. Uh, so we'll try and get some confirmation there that it's going to be a high rate for Hall to finish off the season. Yeah, fluid situation the kangaroos things are happening so um, who knows towards the back end of the season and the other thing that kept out uh, a watch there for the kangaroos is that uh, David Noble did say last week that Taron Thomas uh, that he could be moving to a halfback line there as well so You've got to be keeping in mind if, you know, if there's any chance of Tarrant Thomas is sitting off the halfback line that that could impact Aaron Hall. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Fluid situation. Whether the Tarrant Thomas one does eventuate, you've probably got to see it before you sort of buy into that one there as well. So, yeah, that's a C before you do anything part of there. But Aaron Hall, not bad. If he's guaranteed locked in D50, big numbers expected. Uh, my top three targets there, actually unchanged from last week. Sam Walsh, point of difference. Not much high ownership. We know he can hit his ceiling games. Yeah, and if he's been just sort of unchecked through that, um, through the rest, of, through the pretty much the entire ground, that he could just rack up some enormous numbers there. Took tu- tu- Miller, we know we can get there. Uh, the Pies gave up some big, pre- pretty big numbers last week against the Giants. So Collingwood versus Gold Coast this week, you know, pretty much if, if Miller is just left to do what he wants to do, that, he you know, it's a pretty good captain option there as well. And if you don't own Miller, that he could actually put up a pretty decent number against the Piers this week, I would expect. And yeah, Rory led still for me. Um, he can just pretty, he's the one, he's the solid one in that Adelaide team that I, that I've got no concerns about, uh, for the remainder of this season. Already, yep, onto notable low break evens. So, um, Massimo, D'Ambrosio at two, Red Bezzo. Scores will be volatile, won't be strong, I wouldn't thought, but I think he's pretty much strong in that team. Um, again, they're going for youth there, West Coast as well. Uh, so D'Ambrosio was at two break-even, uh, Bezzo at six break-even. Uh, Jackson Archer, he was actually quite comfortable there on debut. Obviously, his numbers uh, for what we have seen is under... 18 career and his, uh, early VFL stats weren't strong, but he was actually, he looked really comfortable at that level. So, uh, threw himself, threw himself in there as well. Didn't take that backward step and, you know, was able to get, collect some, a little bit of ball. So it was quite a, a good debut for Archer. So he's a break-even of eight. Brody Kemp, uh, in defence for the Blues. So you've got to imagine if he's, he's solid that he'll be okay. Scoring was there last week, but it's not guaranteed there. So break-even of eight. Riley West. So if you're looking to pay up a little bit there, He's been super strong for the Bulldogs coming off a half forward line there and just moving up and down that wing. So he's been uh through that midfield a little bit as well. So, you know, Lockie Hunter's coming back into that team, so whether that does that impact Wally West a little bit as well. And we know what 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 we know, Jep, is that the Brisbane small forwards and their defenders, they really match up on those those uh, Raleigh West type. So, you know, we might not get the score from West this week as well. So, But he's at 479K. You're going to have to pay up for that, break even to 14. And Patrick Parnell, scores weren't there last week, just 24 points there as well, break even to 15. And he's at an, an elevated over there and there as well. So thoughts on anyone those? Jep?
1: Yeah, they're all um, struggling a bit to score in terms of fantasy. So... Hopefully there's some fresh selections this week, um, new debutants that we can lean on, uh, and basement price as well.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's right. The scores just haven't really been there from the, the latest batch of rookies there. But anyway, hopefully we get some more to finish off the year. Already notable players potentially dropping in salary on the radar to target soon with a 130-plus break-even. So Darcy Parrish, if he comes back this week, pretty much you can wait a couple of weeks and wait for a bit of a salary drop there. And plus, he's coming off a pretty uh, severe calf cork missed two games. All right, so his break-even is 155. Lockie Neal, 137, tagged last week. Jerry Lyons got a hit in the ribs, so um, rib can't lead So whether he gets up or not, you probably can wait on him if you want to target him. So he's got a break- break-even of 136. Callum Mills, super strong there for me. I wouldn't be trading that out, and I would still be looking for him at target, but he has ownership there as well. 136. Jack Chris 132. Uh, low, low score last week, but I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And as I mentioned earlier, Jack Sinclair tagged last week uh, out of half-back line uh, by Sydney. Uh, he's got a break even to 130, but I think uh, once he'll come back into that team, Sinclair's good to go. Thoughts, Jeff?
1: Yeah, I agree with you there on Jack Sinclair. He's the one, or well, probably top of the list out of that group for me.
0: Yeah, and those that don't realise that, you know, you know, Sinclair got tagged and, well, if, if those that realise that Sinclair got tagged and think that might be an ongoing thing, it's pretty much, you know, Longmire targeted Sinclair because there was no Hill so uh, that too seemed to be um, wholly correlated of why Sinclair got tagged so um, once Hill comes back in I think Sinclair is good to go Uh, because Hill is damaging by foot and once he gets going he's yeah, you know, it can, can be pretty damaging to the opposition teams. Odejeb right, onto a notable strong scoring output with a 115 plus average last three rounds. So I've got a group of players here run through, and I'll get you to the comment on a couple of those. So Sam Docherty 128, Carl Amon 126, still getting it done there. Harry Himmelberg 126 last three, so still getting it done. Big scores in there as well. we led 125, Jack Fahey 125, super strong last week against the Lions. Jack McRae 123, Hugh McCluggage there's 123, Stephen Canileo 121, good to see him still in that midfield, super strong scoring there as well. Toot Miller 117, Andrew Brayshaw 117, Clayton Oliver 117. Thoughts, Jeff?
1: Yeah, look, a, a very informed list. Um, look, any one of those really can do a job. Carl Amon is is getting it done. He, he's a hard running winger and he's we've shown ceiling scores in the past. Um, just never consistently enough for, for us fantasy coaches to pay attention, I suppose. But, yeah, all all very much viable options. Again, you you, you just got to do your assessment on who you think is going to score the most for here on in. And I still believe it's Rory Laird. And probably in second place, it's took me a while. On to, okay, on to a few...
0: Key plays for listeners. Thank you for sending those in. They are very much appreciated. Time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast, Jep. So we are going to do a 32-pack to finish off. So we'll run through a few players like, dislike, and we'll stop on a few for a few comments. So Sam Walsh, for me, big like.
1: Yeah, really do like it as well. I think um, those gut-running players at this time of year pay dividends, and, um, yeah, hopefully Walsh avoids a tag. Dare I say it, I think Rats will have a plan for him when they play St Kilda this weekend.
0: On to Aaron Hall. I do like it, as long as we've got confirmation as the 50th for the remainder of the year. But yeah, just you know, there is a little bit of an elevated risk, but I do like the picture.
1: No, I very much like it. I think, you know, we've got to, can't see it on our hands anymore. We've got to play the cards and, and be a bit different, and I, I like Aaron Hall for that reason.
0: Yeah, and that's a really interesting point. We mentioned it on last week's podcast is that, you know, we're getting towards the final few weeks of the season. We need to take on risk. We just can't sit back.
1: Jeff, thoughts? Yeah, it's all about risk from here on in. I said at the start of this podcast, some are definitely going to pay off and you're going to be dancing. Others, you know, there might be one or two that don't pay off, but so be it. Live and die by your decisions. But um, for myself, like, I'm ranked 570-odd. I'm not going to die wondering. If I finish the season out at the top 1,000, so be it. But I'm going to try my damn hardest to get in the top 100 at least.
0: As I said on last year's podcast, one of those podcasts, if you're not first, you're last as per Ricky Bobby. <laughs> That's it. On to uh, the next one, Jack Steele. So big luck for me, no ownership.
1: Yeah, got to love it. I think it will be the most popular... Uh, Primo or player traded in this week? Mitch Duncan.
0: Yeah. You know, if he does sit off that half back line, you know, cats aren't really consuming the ball as much as what they did in the last few years. But if he sits off that half back line, yeah, I don't mind the pick. So I'm going to sit on the side of the fence just slightly to say
1: like. No, I'm, I'm calling it. The only thing, like, as a big like, I'm calling it. The only thing I don't like is his soft tissue history um, and a potential rest for the rest of the year. So. That, that's what's putting me off at the moment. But, um, yeah, look, North Melbourne, Melbourne, Carlton and Port Adelaide, it's a pretty good month. I don't foresee him getting too much attention. And, yeah, if I'm right and, and they look for that distributor behind the ball, I'm pretty certain it's going to be Duncan. And it's uh, it's three-figure scores from here on in.
0: Yeah, so just to back up on your two points there, uh, on his injury history um, and also uh, potential rest. So we know, and I've spoken endlessly about Chris Scott saying, really putting it out there, that they're going to manage players, and we've seen that over the course of the year, that is, they've stuck to that word. So we've known that, so we take on that risk that that's a, a potential. Now, the other one there is, that you said, the potential soft tissue injury. He did ha- have an interrupted pre-season there as well. So, you know... Again, we're taking off on risk at this part of the season, you know, is, is you know, eight, nine weeks a long way to go with Duncan. Maybe three or four weeks is okay. But you know, back into the season, what are Geelong gonna to do to manage players if they're locked for top four or top two position there as well? So really gotta factor in a few crucial decisions with regards to Duncan there. So Harry Himmelberg, so we talked pretty pot about Himmelberg and what what he did look like with regards to that that role as semi sort of locked in D fifty. I'm more comfortable than what I was last week, that's all I'll say, and I was really uncomfortable last week uh, with regards to, you know, no ruck, could he play in the ruck, and obviously Pete Ling was out, could he go forward there as well, but we, we've seen Nick Haynes was the one to get booted out of the D50 and go forward, so um, that's probably where I sit now. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to flip back, I'm going to say I start to like the pick now, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm much more comfortable than what I was last week, Jeff, thoughts?
1: Yeah, same, mate. I, um, I think it says... A lot when you put a, a defender forward in Haynes, because you want to keep Himmelberg playing his best footy behind the ball, and, and how much it means to your structure or, or your attacking. Um, you know when they turn the ball, the opposition turns the ball over. What Himmelberg provides in terms of attack from D50, so that's obviously value for the Giants. And McVeigh sees that. I don't think he's going forward anymore. After you know we saw the teams, we we sort of preempted that he would go forward. He didn't. And um, yeah, he's he's a pick now. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's just too late because he's maxed out in cash. But again, you um, what you read out earlier in the in the top 25 coaches, um, he's still lowly owned, so you can still do it. So like,
0: yeah, I mentioned uh, Himmelberg back when he was in the low 400s a few weeks back. I said just keep an eye on him, what he's going to potentially do. And now we look at his price here. Is it 741k? He's going to be over 800k in a couple of weeks, Jeff. So, uh, it's amazing where you go with the, once you start putting up those numbers. So anyway, uh, he will go right. And just on the giant side, we don't have for discussion with regards to Braden Proust, but you know, Matt Flynn, uh, was suggested to be two, three, Weeks out for the Giants uh, last week, but uh, in the post game press conference from Mark McVeigh, he sort of suggested that, that Matt Flynn was okay to be available this week, uh, whether he gets up or not. So he was some chance. So, um, you know, for those looking at Braden Pruce, and again, I'm mentioning this because we don't have him uh, mentioned here to finish off the podcast. You know, Matt Flynn is on that radar as well and and Mark, if I didn't answer the question with regards to going to a dual rock setup and, you know, what's the preference? I think the preference is Proust over Flynn but, you know, they might want to get a look at a dual rock setup, uh, who knows? But, yeah, fluid situation and we're probably at the stage now, Jeb, is with Braden Proust, it's just pretty much an avoid, I would imagine. So, it's just... It was one, one thing after another. So you, you're taking off extreme. We talk about elevated risk. I think Bruce is almost at the extreme risk of it. So um, he's at the high end. Like, you can't get any higher risk than what he has because there's potential for sus- suspension, potential for injury, uh, potential for durox setup. Um, we know he can score. love it. But, you know, just really big risk there. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, Jeff. Uh, let's go into Luke Jackson. Um, so go on back, maybe, it's unlikely to be this week, so we're going to get another uh, go with Luke Jackson. I love it for this week, but uh, you, you've got to be starting to make plans. If you do have Luke Jackson, which I do, Um, I'm starting to make plans what their exit strategy is because uh, as soon as Gorn's coming in, uh, Jackson is going out for me. So I don't think it's this week, but I think I've got a little bit of wiggle room to play with with regards to his exit strategy. Love it this week. Beyond that, I'm not too sure. Jeff, thoughts?
1: Uh, No, it's a like. I think Gorn won't play this weekend. I think he'll play the round after, so round 17, based on the comments and what I can see between the lines. Um... Lee Jackson in the first quarter wasn't really hungry for the footy around the contest, Um, did his job, but then he must have got a rocket in the quarter-time address because he was running past players, clapping his hands, screaming for the ball, and and they fed it to him. So he was just unstoppable in his run. Um, You know, McEnany couldn't obviously go with him with that pace and and that fitness base, so... It's, uh, it was quite a show in, in three quarters. I mean, he would have scored, yeah, it would have been over 104-ish points in three quarters from memory. So, um, now, Riley O'Brien is pretty accountable as a ruckman. I think Luke Jackson this week will struggle with the hit outs, but he'll definitely beat Riley around the ground. And um, as long as he's hungry for the ball, and, like, I started laughing, he was literally clapping his hands going past oliver screaming for the ball a few times it was quite comical um but yeah he just had that thirst for the footy and that's what we want in our fantasy players um, i think he'll do a little bit of damage against riley o'brien and adelaide this week so it's a like what happens there on in we deal with it later it even when gorn comes back i don't think he's gonna you know go 70 percent on ball i think it will be quite a stage process so even when Gorn comes back don't it's not panic stations if, but yeah long term um, he, he's he's obviously a trade out eventually
0: On to Ben Tees, so um, just just at Adelaide um, again team missing the finals fluid situation things can change and, and Matthew Nix has really been strong on players in that midfield and team it, like Crouch out of the Racks up a stack of disposals and he's out of the team instantly. So, yeah, really got to watch his space. I think Keyes is okay, you know, to be inside that best 22. That's not, not what I'm questioning. But what I'm questioning is potential role changes and what, you know, they want to get Soligo in there, want to get a few different looks in there as well. So, Leeds the only one in there for me that I'm really sold with. So, it's a dislike for Keyes. We know he can score, but I don't think it's as, as, as good as what we did see last year, Jip.
1: Yeah, I'm a dislike on Keyes. I, I think um, there are better options around. We... It's not a, It can be about price in some instances, but we've really just got to think about the players that are going to score the most points from here on in, and I don't think Keyes matches up with the players available.
0: On to Tim Taranto. So it wasn't really a breakout game on his return. Uh, we know he can get there. Maybe it's a couple of weeks. Maybe it was just that one week. So I think it's still a pretty good target there. I don't mind the pick.
1: Yeah, I... Um, look it was interesting wasn't it in terms of role firstly so he didn't spend as much time on the ball as we thought, we were probably again preempted. Um, and he's like looking at his body language and movement around the ground he still just looked hindered by that injury so that back we've all had a bad back I'm sure most of us have and it, it can hurt you quite a bit um, so yeah it's an avoid it's actually a dislike dare I say it and um until he can prove he can run around the ground and without grimacing, I am um, I'm not going to go near him.
0: On to Jake Lloyd. So struggle for scores this year. Big monster game last week. Probably the game situation has set up his high score. Uh, so it's a you know be careful. You're not really buying in that 140, 120 points uh, for Lloyd. So it's not going to be that easy every week. So it's just a wait and see on Lloyd. So slight dislike still for me.
1: Uh, Straight dislike from me. Uh, Although he was a lot hungrier for the footy to get it in his hands, it's just too up and down for my liking, so I'm not going near it.
0: On to Daniel Rich. I just think there are better options. I'd I'd rather avoid Rich, but we know he can get towards it.
1: Yeah, it's a dislike from me as well, mate. um, I'm pretty set on the top eight defenders for the year, and he's not in there.
0: Isaac Henny. we know he plays a stack of forward, rolls, rolls through that midfield there as well, but, you know, he can play a stack forward. So uh, scores can be volatile at times, but he's been getting there recently, and he's hitting the scoreboard. So maybe it's a point of difference, but at the back end of the year, if he's got a couple of soft matchup chips that you might want to target him in the back end of the year, because we know he can get there. So, and we know he can post a pretty decent score. Uh, maybe with, you know, so many weeks to go in the season might be a long haul. So just to, like a, the midfield usage isn't as strong as what we expected, but so forward usage, I'm just going to sit on the side of the fence and say dislike.
1: Uh, dislike for me. Oh, I'd, I think, again, I'd rather Himmelberg as an example than Heaney, um, given the ceiling Himmelberg's shown in, in less than a month.
0: Yeah, Sam Berry. So uh, heaps of midfield usage there as well. So if you're looking to... You know, if you're struggling for money there, trying to get a rookie up to someone, Barry can be okay, but you're only looking around about, you know, that 75, 80, 85 range of of average there. He can get their scores for one or two offs, but yeah, he can uh, sort of drop below there as well. So I think the 80, 85 might be average. So this is in a situation where you're looking to, you know, you're struggling for money, you're looking to, you know, hit the double rookie trade and, and try and get up to someone. So, from that perspective, it's okay, but you're not going to be hitting a high ceiling. Uh, as far as those own berries, probably time to upgrade there. So, as an overall, uh, what you should be targeting this end of the year, it's a dislike for me.
1: Straight dislike from me, mate. I um I don't think yeah you know, uh, we again like with the fluid situation in Adelaide and then trying different things, it's just a bit risky for my end. Even if you're struggling for cash, there's a couple of points. This one Liam Baker is the one that. You know it comes to mind. I know they're not exactly the same price, but I'd much rather Baker than Barry.
0: I uh, Rory led big, like for me. Yep,
1: yeah, love led. I think he's going to score close to, if not, the most points from this round onwards to the end of the year.
0: Yep, agree with that. Onto Jordan Dawson. I love the peak. Not really wholly owned either, Chip.
1: Yeah, I love it too. And I, he's actually, um, I sort of. Do a mock all-Australian team every year, and I'd actually put him up there this year. I think he's potentially vying for it too. So um, good performances from here on in, I'd expect, and I think he's a top six defender.
0: Yeah, he's an elite player. Um, he's it was just so almost so underrated at Sydney, but now he's flourishing at Adelaide. There, on to Will Brodie. Um, so scores are still there, Jeb. He's still getting it done, and it's like. Uh, so a lot of people jumped early and probably have that little bit of a regret, but I can see why people did it. Uh, but yeah, he's sitting in my team. He's going nowhere until I start to see some sort of poor scoring, consistent poor scoring output. So uh, it's still a light for me for Brody.
1: Yeah, I can completely understand the trade. It was probably a pre-planned trade for a lot of coaches, you know, a week or two before, and totally reasonable um, for him to do that. Is Probably what I sort of put it down to is it was a very highly contested game, more than Freire would have liked, and I think that's where Brody came into it. Plus, Carlton didn't give me any attention either, so um, yeah, it's not tons here on in every week from Brody, no no stretch of the imagination at, at all. It's um, but yeah, obviously, those that hold will take the score long term. I think it's um, a dislike still, and um, but. Yeah, so timing the trade out is is yeah important, but just keep in mind that Brodie loves the contested game. It's obviously his style of play, and against Carlton is always going to be a contested sort of match. Port Adelaide, I actually think it'll be more of a of a contested game than we think. Port Adelaide do like to attack from their back half a lot and swing the ball around and do their thing, but in the grits of it and the nuts of it, if we get especially if it's wet weather. It's going to be more contested than what we probably would assume. So another big score from Brody this week. From there on in, who knows?
0: On to Team English. So uh, obviously ruled out for this week, so we're not talking about this week. So beyond that jab, there'd uh, be no ownership, and he's a very high-selling player. So from that perspective, uh, well, we obviously got to wait till he comes back into the team. Might want to get a one-week look at him, but yeah, no ownership uh, towards the back end of the year. I think he's a big target.
1: Yeah, he plays round 17, no doubt, and he is in my pre-planned trades for round 17. So uh, I'm factoring my trades this week around getting Tim English in next week. Uh, So, yeah, big luck. On to Rhett
0: Bezos. Spoke about him earlier. So you've got to imagine that he's going to get a few looks to finish out the season. So as far as uh, targeting a player, a low salary player that's going to be playing most of the season, I would say like from that perspective.
1: I cheered really hard when we drafted him. I wasn't sure we were going to get him. I think we got him about 35 or 37, something like that. Um, and most of us can see why. He's going to develop very nicely into a center back and take over McGovern or, um, or somebody else who knows. So, yeah, but for now, I, I think he maybe plays one or two more only personally. So just be wary of that. So for me, sorry to dislike on that. Just with the one or two more. Okay.
0: On to Hugh McCluggage. So yeah, unique pick. Uh, uh, he can score there. And if if Lockie Neal is the one that getting the attention, you know, it's all good from Hugh McCluggage's point of view. Lions don't rack out huge disposal, so that's a bit of a concern there. But he can get there. He's playing inside midfield now, so um, I think it's I think it's not a bad unique option to target. Jep. So I like the pick.
1: Yeah, I'm really, really big on McCluggage. Like I said, I wanted him last week, couldn't get it done through forced trades. Um, But, yeah, even still at this point, he's one of the, like we said about Walsh, McCluggage can just run all day. So this time of year suits him. I feel like this is a bit of deja vu from last season where McCluggage finished strong as well in the second half, had a big second half of the year never going to get tagged like we mentioned Let, um, Neil's gonna get all the attention so he ticks a lot of boxes and the biggest box is the point of difference so it's a huge 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 like for me
0: yeah Christian Petrarca so uh, ownership has dipped a little bit on Petrarca so you know it might be one of those ones where we can target on really good matchups and we know he can we know he has an elite ceiling jet so um, it's a from from the perspective of unique options to target that not many people might look at at this Stage of the season, especially after he's been a little bit hampered by injury this year, and the scores have been really volatile. So, and towards the back end of the season, it might be one to target. From, so, from that perspective, I do like to pick, but you know, pick and choose when you're going to target him. Though, that's my only suggestion, Chip.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a like for me. I, I felt I actually watched the way he moved, and I think he he was okay in, in his running and, and side, you know, lateral movement as well on the on that Thursday night. So. It's just whether they not rest him as such, but protect him towards back end of the season. So I'm going to say dislike, actually, although I can understand why coaches would do it.
0: On to Liam Baker. Um, look, I don't mind. Like Cotchen will come back into the team eventually as well, and so Preston misses this week. So um, he can uh, sit off that half back line, which is good, but you know, if he's willing for midfield, that's good as well. Um, but, yeah, that that role was not really secure there, so uh, he was outstanding on the weekend. I thought he was one of the better players on the ground, So, uh, but, yeah, that role was not secure, locked in, week in, week out, the same thing, so from that perspective, you could get a little bit of volatility, but, yeah, definitely a unique option. Don't mind the pick. I'm going to sit on the side of the fence, actually, just to say a little bit of a like here. Unique option. Don't mind it.
1: Yeah, when I say like, I actually anticipate if Cochin comes back that they'll put Jaden Short back behind the ball mm. um and and Baker stays there. He he just I tweeted after the game, he was absolutely relentless in that game. Mm. Did not stop and contest to contest. Um, his physical presence with such a small bloke is is underrated, actually. And um he changed the game for the Tigers. Absolutely changed the game for him. So yeah, I um, I really like the pick, and um, yeah, he's actually in one of my draft uh, in one of my trade scenarios for this week.
0: Uh, Jackson Archer from North Melbourne made his debut last week. I thought he was uh, pretty pretty good on debut. Um, again, the scores previously under 18s VFL uh, scores weren't strong, but you know he was actually he adapted really quickly to AFL level. So he's still a little bit on the thin side. Um, but yeah, really comfortable And I think he's going to get a stack of opportunities To finish out the year, Jeb And I think he, he could be pretty much locked in that team So if you're looking to pay down to a defender And you're looking to pay down to a defender That's going to be have a lot of opportunities To finish out the year I think Jackson Archer is the one So i like the pick
1: Yeah, I like it too I thought he was good um, You can do the throwaway Well, not so much throwaway But um, at D8 it's, it's definitely an option Just It's Really low scores from here on in. He scored 50. I thought that was generous. I expect 30s to 40s from here on in.
0: Marcus Bontepelli. So uh, Smith a couple of weeks away, uh, but we know Bond, he actually looked really good in the weekend. So if the Bulldogs can, and I mentioned this previously, if the Bulldogs can finish the season strong, you now they do have a very difficult matchup uh, to finish out the season in their home and away season opponents. So, so it's really it's not easy. Uh, but, uh, you know, if the Bulldogs do get going, we know they were very much a high disposal type team. So, if that's the case and that's going to happen, I think Bond's going to see a, a stack of ball and a stack of points to finish up There's season. I like the picture.
1: Yeah, I like the pick too. Bulldogs need to keep winning games to make the finals, um, make their charge towards September. And he's a huge cog of that. Even though he's going to attract attention in the tag, I still like the pick. And I feel like he's a top six forward from here on in.
0: Uh, Jack Sinclair so again tagged last week I think once Hill comes back in he's just going to roam around halfback and just pick it up at will Saints are under the roof at Marvel Stadium I think it's actually a good thing as well uh, for Sinclair you can just you know as I mentioned a few weeks ago if, if you're watching a St Kilda game just watch him and just he just runs around cutting cutting up everywhere he wants to cut up and just accumulate disposals at will so big luck still for me for Sinclair
1: yeah big luck as well for me um, i again I think he's gonna have some high ceiling games that can and throw throw a bit of a point difference and, and gain rank but um, he's starting to become popular it's just when you pull the trigger on him it might be now most of us are set in defense except for um, you know the day cost upgrade but don't be don't shy away from his break even at the moment it's it's all about points isn't it
0: Onto Raleigh O'Brien. So uh, rucks have been an issue. Most people, uh, most fantasy coaches settled on their Ruck situation over the weekend because it was quite, uh was quite a bit of a turmoil there heading into last week. So most uh, coaches have settled. Uh, Raleigh O'Brien. I still don't mind the picture.
1: No, I like the pick. Oh, I'm obviously an owner. It's been, I've said it multiple times. He, he is. I can see why previous owners are scarred by him because he's. Incredibly frustrating to watch. What he's amazing at, and I think he doesn't get enough credit for, is his work rate and ability to get from contest to contest. Um, it's just these, or not. he gets his hands on the ball so many times, but he just doesn't complete a mark or um, he, he shies away from the footy. He expects the midfielder to sweep through when it's actually him to get it. He doesn't um, demand the football like Luke Jackson did against uh, the Lions so there's a bit of that. But um, I still like the pick with our ruck situations for the time being. I think he's an honest footballer and um, he works really hard and does what he has to do to uh, to make his team win. And he obviously got dropped. And, yeah, it's an intriguing battle against Jackson. He's obviously going to win the hitouts for sure. So you can lock him in for, what, 40, 40 points, 40 hitouts. It's just what he does around the ground. Um, and Stephen May and, and Lever will... Will give him a few headaches um, trying to take marks. So yeah, I, I still like it.
0: On to Jared Witz, definitely unique option. I think he can score okay, but yeah, just unique option from that perspective. I do like the picture.
1: No, I'm a dislike on Witts. He doesn't. Although he had a really good game last weekend and he actually did a lot more around the ground, um, he he's got to do that on a consistent basis. I can't see him doing that. So. Yeah, I want to say dislike, but the Suns need him to perform at his optimum for them to push for finals as well.
0: Sean Darcy, so can be volatile scoring, does have an elite high-type ceiling game in
1: there, so I don't mind the pick there. Yeah, no, I liked Darcy still. He wasn't flattering, 86. um, I thought Tom DeConning, again, had him around the ground and in the air, which is probably to be expected. You know, Sean Darcy's not a high flyer, but his physical presence probably lacked a little bit and I think he gets that in his review and he'll improve on that And against Port Adelaide. So who knows what's happens there against um, against their thin forward line, uh, thin ruck structure. He should have a day out, shouldn't he adopt to stadium? So he'd like.
0: On to Jackson Hately. So it's time to upgrade and get out of Hately if he's going to sit down the wing. Uh, scores can be volatile, so dislike here for me.
1: Yeah, dislike as well.
0: Christian Salem, still not convinced. Uh, dislike there for me.
1: Yeah, dislike as well for Salem.
0: Sam Doherty, big like for me. Uh, should be a big target. One of the best scorers to finish off the season in defence
1: step. Yeah, one of my good tradings from a few weeks back. So I'm really happy to have Doc in my side.
0: Uh, Tom Liberatoria, So a bit of an out-of-a-box type suggestion. So... A stack of Bulldogs, maybe you can throw him in there. I don't think he's the elite, high, high ceiling type player because that goes to your go McRae, Dunkley, Bontempalli, Bally, Smith when he returns. I think Liberator is that little step below that. So, you know, for me, there are better options. So, dislike on Liber.
1: No, I going to say like. I, I called it last week. I, I felt like he was going to play more midfield time with uh, Smith out, and, and that did happen. So, um,. I think they'll stick to that structure for a little while longer. And I'm going to say, like, I think he's got a big month ahead. Okay. Final thoughts ahead of round 16. So, yeah, we've got the Thursday to Sunday sort of round again. So Lions and Dogs up first. Probably a little bit more accommodating this week. But what I'm getting at is try to keep your trades in hand. Don't use them until you have to. And, it's, look, for me, like, personally, my side, I'm struggling for decent bench cover. You know, I'm hoping Mitch Owens comes back in this week. That's where I'm at. So, if you can just shore up those lines and your, your emergencies, just in case, because boy oh boy, if we get this late COVID out at this time of year, it's gonna it's gonna change the ranks quite a bit. So, um, let's yeah, let's just plan for that and, and make sure we're covered.
0: Interesting, you should mention that because I've got further information on what I've said the last couple of weeks on the podcast. So. I said last week, uh, or the week before, whatever that was, that you know you got the second wave of COVID coming through, and we're starting to see that now. So, what we've really got to pay attention to is when these COVID outs are coming. Now, I've able to extract some information there for this week's podcast. Is to say that most tests are being done for COVID on the around about that midweek Tuesday type of range, and pre-game it's the day before the game so when we're talking about you know pulling triggers on trades from a fantasy perspective if players are being tested the day before the game we're going to get noticed pretty much i would think and you know if that's pretty solid all the way through every club and you know that information coming out to the public is 20 at least 24 hours beforehand I've got to start to imagine that we're not going to get that many late surprises from that perspective. So, you know, it gives me a little bit of confidence to say that, you know, once we're heading, you know, into the last Sunday and we've had no information, I've got to start to think that, you know, unless somebody wakes up really sick, that they, you know, most players are playing. So it gives me a little bit more confidence that what we're seeing in teams 24 hours out is what we're going to see with teams. And then, then you've got to factor in other late changes there as well. Um And then you've got to factor in current illness, flu situation there as well, which is still going through teams. Now, the other thing that came out on the weekend as well, and there was a little bit of back and forth between the Damien Harwick press conference and the Chris Scott press conference. Now, we've seen this earlier in the year with regards to, you know, Collingwood named a 26, named a player out as a late change and then named them as an emergency. Now, that was a little bit to do with illness and they had some situation with regards to illness throughout that week for Collingwood. Now, this was a few weeks ago, but the player was named inside the 22, but then came out and was named um, as the medical sub. Sorry, if I didn't say that properly. So they were named as medical sub. So we did see that on the weekend with regards to Richmond. They named Ivan Soldo in the team, and then named him as a late out, late change, but named him as the medical sub. Now, funny enough, Chris Scott didn't know those rules. So interesting that he questioned that and he didn't know and he found out and he got told that that was actually you can do that. So it doesn't need to be an illness, doesn't need to be an injury. You know, teams. You know, it's a, it's a so it's a team of 22 or 23, and you can name whichever medical sub that you want. So really, got to tune into that who that's going to be. I think most of our players that we've got in our teams now, that would be pretty much clear of that medical sub situation. You would think so. Uh, so I don't think it's going to impact us there that much, but. For next year going on, you know, we've got to factor in that, you know, once we get starting out early in the season, that the 23, the team of 23 or whoever that medical sub's going to be within the 26, I guess, is that, you know, it could be any one of the 22 to come out to be the medical sub. So really kept that in mind. Doesn't have to be an injury situation there whatsoever. Interesting scenario. I thought it was a really interesting back and forth between Chris Scott and Damien Harwick, even though those press conferences were separate. So, but yeah, one one coach didn't know, one senior coach didn't know, and one senior coach in Damien Harwick absolutely knew the rule. So, yeah, really keep an eye out for that. But I don't think it's going to play into our situation this year to finish off the season from a fantasy perspective. But I think next year going in, where we've got rookies in those teams, you know, anything could be up for grabs with regards to being named in the 22 and then becoming a medical sub. So, you know, if teams start to explore that situation. Situation, that could be concerns for us. So just something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's that big a bigger deal, but you know it can happen. All right, Jeff. So all the best for you and the listeners this week. Hopefully everyone crushes out a monster score. All the best, Jeff.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys.